that this is our land. We will be defending it. If they had crossed that border, what do you think the West would have done for you? Our judicial system is in bad shape. America's Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, was in Ukraine last week. His aim, apparently, to offer words of comfort and support to the country after Russian troops had massed in huge numbers close to its border. My guest this week from Kiev is Ukraine's Foreign Minister, Dmitry Kuleba. What did he get out of the visit, and what was he asked to give? Dmitry Kuleba, welcome to Conflict Zone. Good afternoon. The U.S. Secretary of State was visiting uh, Kiev last week and said he stands strongly with your country. What do you understand that to mean, standing strongly with you? That means uh, political uh, and military and uh, uh, reforms uh, uh, support for Ukraine. Uh, we count uh, on our partnership uh, with the United States uh, as much as we count on the partnership with uh, the European Union and its key capitals. Your president was clear that he wanted more than that. A few days before Blinken arrived, he posted a tweet calling for a clear signal about the European and Euro-Atlantic prospect. In other words, a clear signal about your bid for membership of the EU and NATO. Did you get that clear signal? Well, uh, both uh, pr perspectives uh, uh, of Euro-Atlantic and uh, European membership are long overdue. Uh, I would like to recall that, for example, uh, when it comes to NATO, the promise was given by allies uh, in 2008 at the Bucharest summit. So we've been, it's been 13 years now, and uh, my president uh, reiterates the uh, ambition uh, to achieve that. Uh, we have not heard uh, affirmative, uh, positive response uh, yet, but uh, this is, uh, you know, we are aspirants, we are seeking membership, so we will keep pushing this story forward. So you didn't get what you wanted, so in effect, uh, Mr. Blinken just bought a basket of fine words and that was it? <laughs> no, uh, that would be uh, not uh, entirely correct. Mr. Blinken was not very it, not specific. Not entirely, but there's some truth to it. Well, uh, he did not bring with himself a promise uh, that Ukraine will become a member of NATO uh, this year or next year, but uh, he uh, reaffirmed that the United St States stand by the decision of 2008, where it says clearly uh, Ukraine and Georgia, because it applied to both countries, will be members of NATO, and we will be working with uh, our friends and partners on achieving this goal. But the problem is, without a timetable, it's meaningless, isn't it? Uh, well, uh, what we need, uh, we currently have a timetable, which is called uh, National Annual Program of Cooperation between Ukraine and NATO. It is structured very much uh, uh, along the pattern of the membership action plan. But what we do need, and I can agree with you here, is uh, a clear uh, timeline of uh, granting Ukraine uh, membership action plan and what will follow after that. This is the next step in our uh, integration with the Alliance. How far did you get with your shopping list? Because you're known to be looking for enhanced anti-drone and anti-aircraft capabilities. You also want the Patriot missile. Is Washington going to meet those requests? 
Well, we uh, did submit to the United States a list of uh, uh, the most urgent needs for Ukrainian army. Uh, some of the items on the list are more easier to get, some are more difficult. We do not expect to get everything at a time, but we are making progress on those uh, items and on those positions which, uh, uh, which are feasible at this, at this point. You say you're making progress, so you didn't get any of them? You haven't signed any deals to get them. It's not, it's not fixed. Uh, Mr. Mi um, uh, Secretary Blinken did not bring an anti-sniper complex with him, but uh, uh, no, there nor is a, date a very good that he was going to give you one either. Nor a date. I have no doubts that we will, we will receive uh, an, a number of items from our list. This does not require a reiteration. It's a matter of uh, cooperation of certain technicalities but I have no doubts that we will get them. Mr. Kuleba, let's talk, if we may, about the frozen war in the eastern part of your country, if we can talk about it that way. There's been some de-escalation in tension with Moscow. It withdrew many of its troops after their sudden and massive deployment close to your joint border. If they had crossed that border, what do you think the West would have done for you? Expressions of condemnation, maybe some sanctions? Well, first, uh, uh, there is no uh, withdrawal adequate to the number of Russian troops and uh, military machinery assembled along the border of Ukraine and in the occupied territories. What is happening cannot be called a withdrawal. Russian uh, forces uh, largely stay where they are. Uh, what has changed is a drop in uh, military rhetorics. This is true but uh, the threat is still there and uh, you know in the soviet union they had uh, show trials trials without justice and now what we observe is a, a show withdrawal a withdrawal without removal of forces and this we should be we should be we should remain vigilant on this when it comes to your second question it is this is our land these are our people we will defend it we will fight for it we do not expect foreign troops to arrive and help us but we do expect from partners to provide Ukraine with all uh, assistance they can offer uh, to make us uh, prevail in this struggle for our country. So you're not expecting uh, NATO to go to war with you, um, with Russia? You're clear on that, to defend you? Uh, absolutely. We are not a member of NATO yet. And I would like to uh, uh, say again uh, clearly and squarely that this is our land. We will be defending it. But partners can help us to defend our land. And I'm sure that this, is what will, this will be happening. When it comes to negotiations, your president has made it clear he no longer thinks the Minsk II agreement as laid down six years ago is the way forward. Is that because neither you, nor the Russians, nor the separatists have actually done what you signed up to do? Uh, well, the, the key uh, demand of Russia in Minsk is to recognize uh, so-called Lugansk and Donetsk People's Republic as party to the conflict, which would effectively uh, turn an international armed conflict between Ukraine and Russia into an internal armed conflict between Ukraine and separatists. This is the cornerstone of the discussions that are taking place uh, in, uh, um, in Minsk. Now, my president is saying that uh, our goal 
number one should be peace and security and lives of people and not the political political recognitions and we call on Moscow to focus on the same on bringing peace to Donbas and on making progress on a number of draft decisions which are ready to be adopted they are pending green light from Moscow Moscow can easily give that green light but it continues playing this game with the demand to recognize Donetsk and Lugansk as party to the conflict so this is in essence uh, what is happening in Minsk and this is why we are making steps to uh, ensure uh, a way forward out of this stalemate. The Minsk II agreement, as you know, contains political commitments on you uh, and on the other side. Article 4, a dialogue on local elections, was supposed to start the day after heavy weapons were pulled back from the contact line. Article 11, a new Ukrainian constitution should have entered into force by the end of 2015. Its key element was to have been decentralization. None of these things happened, did they? And each side blames the other for not fulfilling their side of the bargain. Where do you go from here? Uh, you are absolutely right. Uh, this, is, this is the word-to-word-by-word -word -word Russian narrative about Minsk. Uh, when Moscow omits the fact that uh, item uh, paragraph one of Minsk is security. First you stop shooting and then you proceed to political settlement. Ukraine uh, spared uh, no effort and made a number of painful concessions to ensure a ceasefire. Unfortunately, the ceasefire has been violated on a systemic basis and more and more and many Ukrainian soldiers have been killed. Uh, I would like to assure you that we are absolutely committed to moving along the political uh, part of the uh, of the Minsk um, of the Minsk agreements. You really think but, you could get those through uh, security parliament? first? You, you think you could get those through your parliament? Those political aspects of the Minsk II agreement? Well, if we see if we see that Russia is uh, uh, not killing our soldiers, is withdrawing its heavy. Uh, machine, heavy military machinery from Ukraine and that it abides by security provisions, this will give us an additional argument in the parliament to convince that this is the road to, the, to peace, this is the road to settlement and this is what my parliament wants. But we will never accept any Russian idea of uh, uh, federalization of Ukraine because uh, in, in, in this country we have a very advanced reform of decentralization. And by the way, I would like to thank the government of Germany in helping us with this reform to really empower communities on the ground and to give them more right, rights. And when uh, certain regions of Donetsk and Lugansk uh, parts of Ukraine, which are currently occupied by Russia, return to Ukraine, they will enjoy all those vast possibilities for uh, development and prosperity. Yeah, but why does your president say he's not going to talk to them? Russia says talk to the separatists. Your president refuses. Um, I'm curious as to why he refuses, because the people in Donetsk and Luhansk are still Ukrainian citizens, aren't they? Why is your president refusing to talk to Ukrainians if he wants that area back under his control? My president will talk to legitimately elected Ukrainians in the currently occupied parts of Donetsk and Lugansk. We will not talk to holders of Russian passports who uh, vigorously and duly implement only instructions coming from Moscow. Uh, they, we should not uh, mix these two categories up. Uh, when we hold elections, as provided by the uh, Minsk agreements, when there are legitimately elected representatives, 
they will be become part of the political system and we will talk uh, to them. But uh, today, the only party that makes decisions and instructs people on the ground how to act is Moscow. It's not these so-called separatists. Yes, but this process is going nowhere, isn't it? And the fact is that you're out of ideas for how to pursue it, something that the president's chief of staff actually admitted at the end of last month. Andrei Yermak on television, he said it's necessary to continue working in all directions and in all formats because in the end we don't know what format will bring peace to our land. Seven years after the seizure of Crimea, that's an extraordinary admission of both failure and despair, isn't it? You don't know how to continue. Uh, there is no fa neither failure nor despair in Kiev. We have uh, no success, a number of... Well, we are upset with the behavior of Moscow, with its unwillingness to play constructively and to reciprocate uh, sincere willingness of Ukraine and of Germany and France to put an end to the war in Donbas. Uh, when it comes to Crimea, uh, you know, we launched, we came up with a very good idea of a Crimea platform. And uh, this idea, this uh, initiative uh, is gathering more and more international support. So, no, we are not running out of ideas, but uh, unfortunately, Russia has adopted a very, uh, very uh, unhelpful tactics of uh, simply uh, downplaying every, any idea that they do not like or ignoring them. But we will keep trying because, as I said just a couple of minutes before, this is our land. We cannot uh, sit down with our, uh, and lay down our hands. We, we have to come up we have with new ideas, we have to be creative, and we will be doing that. This is our land, and it may take some time, but in the end we will succeed. The fact is that your president was elected two years ago on a promise to end the war in the Donbass region. He didn't do it. He even blamed the continuing conflict on his predecessor, President Poroshenko, saying it wasn't Russian aggression that was the problem, it was the Ukrainian side being unreasonable. That came back to bite him as well, didn't it? He, in, in effect, he's over-promised and under-delivered. That's the biggest sin a politician can commit, isn't it? Well, my president still has a couple of years uh, in office to deliver on that, and uh, uh, to, before the end of his first term. Uh, the second point is that uh, in just first year of his uh, presidency, uh, there were some very good achievements in our relations uh, with Russia, and they were promising. For example, the exchange of prisoners, including the return of the famous director Oleg Sinsov, who was a political prisoner in Russia. Uh, Russia returned uh, our vessels uh, captured uh, uh, at the Kerch Strait. So there was a good period, now there is a bad period, but it doesn't mean that uh, we will not find uh, a solution uh, that will bring back uh, the good period and, and uh, we will find, uh, we will settle the conflict without crossing our red lines. Mr. Kuleba, it's clear that if you want more help from Washington and the West, you're going to have to do more to deal with the rampant political corruption in your country, aren't you? The State Department says that's key to securing Ukraine's democratic institutions, its economic prosperity and Euro-Atlantic future. Every year, the same message from the US, from Europe, year after year. Why are you not doing better on this front? Well, first we're doing it for ourselves, not for the sake of uh, support. But you're not uh, doing it at all, are you? Are doing... You're not doing it at all. You're not getting to grips with corruption well, you are, in your country. You are, 
you are you are sir you are either misinformed or exaggerating uh it was uh, under the president of uh, uh under the president zelensky that the anti-corruption court finally started functioning in ukraine and it was a very long battle uh, to set up that court and make it operational unfortunately the previous president did not uh, allow that to happen uh, president zelensky did and he does not interfere in the operations of the court when the Constitutional Court of Ukraine, another body of our judicial system, tried to destroy uh, an anti-corruption reform, it was the president who stepped in immediately. And uh, then it, he was followed by the government and the parliament who restored uh, parts of critical legislation that was declared null and void, uh, null and void by, by the Constitutional Court. Things are happening and, uh, you know, every country is, is a difficult combination of various factors. But this country is moving in the right direction. And those who are calling on us to move faster, they are cordially invited to come and join us and help us. That's easy. Well, those who are, you're cordially inviting were those who were there last week. If you look at the State Department Human Rights Report, the latest one, what, what's clear is that what's damaging Western confidence in you is this continual drumbeat of human rights abuses that are reported in your country, as pointed out in the latest human rights report from Washington. The concern that's highlighted is not just the abuse that, uh, or the corruption, the abuse or torture that's carried out by state employees in your security service, that's bad enough, but the impunity that surrounds them, the fact they can violate the law with a pretty strong assurance that they'll get away with it. Are you happy about that? When it comes to human rights abuses in security institutions, you know, uh, this is something uh, that is uh, not syst neither systemic nor large scale. And unfortunately, to my deepest regrets, present uh, not only in Ukraine, but also in other countries of Europe. Uh, we follow recommendations of the uh, European Committee Against Torture on that, and we enjoy excellent cooperation with them. Otherwise, uh, I do not understand what kind of systemic violations of human rights you are referring well, to. Well, it's quite clear in the report. The report says abuse of detainees remains a widespread problem. The government generally failed to take adequate steps to prosecute or punish most officials who committed abuses, most officials, resulting in a climate of impunity. That couldn't be clearer, could it? That's from your friends in Washington. Uh, you are probably you are referring to the situation in prisons with regard to the imprisoned, uh, imprisoned persons. This is a big scorch, uh, not only for Ukraine, but also for other European countries. But uh, uh, this is not a, a large scale systemic oppression of human rights happening across uh, the country. As I said to you answering my previous question, we are absolutely cooperating with all human rights bodies, including the Council of Europe and the European Union, to address outstanding issues related to the treatment of prisoners in, uh, in prisons. One of the other key issues which has been raised by Washington is the low level of confidence reported in your judges. The U.S. says that despite efforts to reform the judiciary and the prosecutor general's office, Corruption among judges and prosecutors remained endemic. Endemic. Why is it that you're absolutely? Why is absolutely. it that you're effectively when, when you're unable to guarantee the rule of law in your country? 
well, first, uh, rule of law and judiciary uh, is not the same thing. Judiciary is part of the rule of law, and there is a rule of law in this country. But uh, the one of the, what its weakest point that uh, requires uh, uh, systemic attention is judiciary. Our judicial system is in bad shape. I can fully agree with that. It's, uh, I, I, uh, as a citizen, I, I regret it. Uh, and uh, the presidents uh, and the government and the parliament, they are all addressing this issue in close cooperation with our international partners and the Venice Commission of the Council of Europe, because we all realize that uh, judiciary is uh, an essential important element for uh, foreign investments and for bringing also for, for, for bringing justice to the country, for, for protecting human rights uh, in the country. So we are addressing it, uh, this, this problem through a set of reforms conducted in the closest possible cooperation with uh, international institutions and international partners. The State Department says some judges were pressured by high-level politicians. Others reportedly took bribes in exchange for giving particular verdicts. If they're found to be breaking the law like that, why can't they be removed from office? I'm not aware of any report uh, that a member of the government or the president's office would be pressuring, uh, pressuring uh, uh, a judicial, uh, a court or a judge. Quite to the contrary, some of the uh, elements of the Ukrainian judiciary are putting pressure on the government and uh, uh, by issuing an illegitimate uh, ju uh, judgments, uh, in particular the one that I mentioned, the, the judgment of the Constitutional Court that tried to destroy the anti-corruption reform that was uh, designed and implemented by Ukraine and its friends and partners from abroad. Uh, but I'm sure that we will overcome this problem as well because uh, no corrupt judge can succeed against uh, the government and the people of Ukraine that are willing to overcome, to resolve and overcome this problem. What about the press? Journalists too are feeling the heat in your country when they deal with sensitive topics. Washington says violence against the press remained a problem with human rights groups blaming government inaction in solving crimes against them. Why this inaction on the part of the government? Well, the problem of press should be considered from two sides. On the one side, it's the problem of disinformation flowing into the country and spreading around among citizens. This is something that the government should be addressing and is addressing. Uh, to ensure security of, of the country. On the other hand, uh, uh, we, we do have to ensure the freedom of speech and we are absolutely committed to it. Uh, and of course, to ensure safety of journalists. Uh, I'm not uh, aware of any recent cases where a government agent or a representative or someone as, uh, associated with the government would be uh, conducting, uh, would be suppressing freedom of speech. In fact, uh, uh, the criticism against the president, the parliament, the government as a whole is uh, coming from uh, many, many media corners. And that's normal because we live in a democracy and it's, it's vibrant and there are many different opinions. All these can, uh, can, ex can and should exist in a free democratic country. However, we will not allow uh, disinformation specifically coming from Russian media 
to uh, destroy uh, our uh, people's, people's minds. Yes, the question is also to what extent you're protecting your journalists because uh, the State Department report uh, mentioned a journalist from Khromadske who was beaten by a police officer while he was filming protests in front of a government building. That was April last year. Seven months later, the State Bureau of Investigations was still, quote, looking into it. Is that good enough as far as you're concerned? Well, if we start picking up uh, one specific case and uh, focus on it, of course, the situation will look doom and gloom. I, uh, uh, I'm, aware, I'm aware of this case. I find it uh, uh, disturbing as well, and I stand on the, on the side of a journalist in this particular case. But please, do not try to create a picture of doom and, a doom and gloom picture based I'm not, on, I'm not on creating one or any two specific minister. cases taken out, taken out of the context. No, we are in a, in a dialogue with you. I'm just trying to make the point. Yes, I'm not creating any, any image um, that hasn't been reflected in the State Department Human Rights Report. Just one final question. You talk about how you're protecting your country and um, you talk about getting your land back. Do you seriously imagine a day when the Russians will say to you, sorry, we took Crimea, big mistake, have it back? Or has that train left the station? Well, did you imagine that uh, the Soviet Union one day would seriously say Eastern Germany can go back to Germany and reunite again? I'm sure that if your leadership and your politicians never imagined that, they would never succeed. Minister Kuleba, it's been a pleasure having you on Conflict Zone. Thank you very much. Thank you.